All right. Welcome back to From Aid Arbitration. And is it me or does it seem like forever since I've been on here? I've been, it seems like I've been gone forever, doesn't it? I want to say a thank you to Mr. Cariff, a thank you to Mr. Renfro, and a thank you to Mr. Leith, who have taken up these last three episodes. And uh, Mr. Cariff had some great things. I've heard a lot of great things about his episode. Of course, Mr. Renfro, uh, probably one of my most downloaded episodes was his. A lot of great stuff came out of that. A lot of interesting conversations. I'll talk about that in a second. And thank you to Mr. Leith, JB. He's always fantastic. He does a great job. But, uh, yeah, it seems like forever since I've been on here. <laughs> I can't, can't remember what my last episode was about. So it's good to be back on. We're going to talk about residual mail today in the DPS. It's a, it's a funny little grievance, but it's a great grievance to file, especially right now with these memos, getting as much office time as we can. And uh, I'll tell you about an arbitration I had on that. Pretty, pretty interesting little arbitration. I've got a lot of stuff I'm going to read, so I apologize for that. But Jeremy's going to have all this up on formateArbitration.com. See, so I'll go and check this out, the templates and the arbitration sites that go along with it. Uh, so what did y'all think about Mr. Renfro's episode, the questions and answers? I thought it was pretty dadgum good. And, and I'm going to give the man his due. Uh, you know, I'm going to sit in on here and, and uh, you know, like I told him, I'm going to throw rocks. <laughs> That's what I do, you know. <laughs> I'm a dues paying member. I have that right, right? And so I'm going to talk about things if I'm not pleased with them. And, and I always will. But, and they know that. You know, they know who I am, so uh, I'm unapologetic as far as those things are concerned. I will always voice my opinion, uh, especially if I'm displeased with something. And I'm a, like I said, I'm a dues-paying member, so I'm going to do that. But I thought it was a great opportunity for y'all to ask him questions. And so I got all those questions off of all those different formats, it's Facebook, Discord, uh private message, email, you know, I got a lot of questions that y'all had asked. And so I thought he did well uh, answering those questions. I really did. That's, you know, a lot of stuff on there, like three and a half hours worth of questions. And of course, like I said, politics is politics. You know, things are going to come out that uh, a lot of people were not pleased with it. A lot of people were, and that's just how it is. And that's how politics works. I had one gentleman on the other ticket talking about, that uh, I was a liar in my questions. <laughs> Y'all know how I can be a liar. I just asked the questions. You know, the letter carriers wrote them down, so not real sure what he's talking about. But uh, And you could go on Facebook and Discord, and you could pull all those questions up off of there. Uh, I took them straight off of both of those things. And the ones that uh, messaged me on Titan email, that's off of uh, arbitration.com. And so it's very simple to go and pull those questions up if you wanted to and see that they did come from letter carriers. So uh, not real sure where that came from. But, you know, it's uh, like I said, politics is, uh, is not always pretty. And uh, this one's no exception. But tomorrow, votes have to be in. So make sure you cast your vote for whoever you vote for. Hopefully you've done your research, like I said. Um, but... And then another gentleman on their ticket, I talked a little bit about him. Not real sure of the issue there. Um, but I'll tell you this, if you lie on me, I'm going to call you out. 
and that's just how I've always been on that. And I believe in honesty, truthfulness. I believe that that goes along with your integrity, especially if you're trying to run for a position. And so if you ever lie on me and I see it, I will call you out on it, okay? I will not lie on you, I promise. Uh, I don't make a, a habit of that. And so, but if I do see that, just know that I'm going to call your ass out on it, okay? Um, but I did appreciate Mr. Renfro coming on here and talking to y'all. It's kind of like pulling the curtain back, you know, and seeing who's behind there. A lot of us talk about national is disconnected from us down here on the workroom floor. Um, you know, we get the the weekly, the monthly paper, and we get you know the things that we put up on the union board. Uh, but for the most part, we don't talk to anybody at the national level. We don't get an opportunity to express our concerns, to ask questions about things that concern us. And so, I thought that that was a, a good gesture on his part. To come on here and just answer three and a half hours worth of questions. I did. So whether you like it or not, the man did it. And uh, so I give him props for that. Uh, A lot of people didn't like how I talked at the end of that episode. Where I talked about Mr. Noble and the picture he put up. I don't care. Uh, Again, I'm unapologetic as far as the things that I say on this podcast. And the way that I act. (laughs) And things that, you know, my language. uh, and I'll read some stuff here to you in just a second. But, you know, I had uh, got on, I can't remember what it was, Discord or something. Somebody told me about another page, USPS page. And I was called unhinged and dumb and all that stuff. And so <laughs> that's all right, too. Uh, I'll take that. Uh, you know, I've had uh, ex-girlfriends call me a lot worse than that. But, hey, that is what it is, man. That is what it is, and I'm not going to change for anybody. So um, my voice is gone, so if I sound kind of uh, muffled or muted, or that's not that's not my laptop. That's my voice is gone. My son and I went to the Tennessee Volunteers game. I'm a huge Tennessee fan, and we yelled the entire time and rushed the field after it was over, and my voice is gone. So if you're having a hard time hearing me, I apologize, but my voice is gone, but that's all right too. Go Vols, baby. That was a good game. I want to read you some things, um, and, and I, I love reading reviews um, because that helps me. If you have something bad to say, like I said, maybe my first, second, third episode, you can't hurt my, my feelings. I don't have any. So you can't hurt my feelings. (laughs) So I do read reviews. If you put them up there, I read them on whatever format I read them. And so uh, it's funny because they're on different spectrums, uh, the reviews that come in. But I wanted to read a couple to you just to show you the difference in things. I had this one guy, he, he wrote a review and this is what it says. Thank you for all you do. I enjoy listening to your podcast while I deliver mail. I'm a firm believer that in knowledge is power and there's always room to learn. However, I would be remiss if I did not criticize your podcast at all within the realm of good taste. So here goes. I believe swear words take away from anyone that wants to teach others what they, know, what they have to offer in regards to educating them. I know it's your podcast and one can simply not listen to your program 
if they don't like offensive language. But then how can you pass on all that you have learned to them? Keep in mind, you do reach many listeners, and some of them are very new to all this, and we want to be professional and earn their respect, so they hopefully mature into ass-kicking stewards someday. Number two, you ramble on too much. (laughs) I understand you're very passionate about teaching all you have learned to new stewards, but the new generation seem to lose interest quicker than these days. If you have an experience or two to share with others to make your point, then that's great. You just don't need to reiterate the same experience three or four different ways to make your point. Three, three podcasts an hour or so long is much better than one three-hour podcast. I understand there's exceptions to every rule, but we don't want to overload new stewards all at once. So that's a very good review. As far as the cussing, I agree with that. I do try, I promise, not to use foul language. (laughs) I've told you all that before. (laughs) And I don't go into an episode planning on doing that. I promise I don't, Um, but I do get passionate, and uh, sometimes that passion kind of overruns my mouth a little bit, but, uh, you know, when I first started this podcast, it was strictly for education. That's why it's called From Aid Arbitration. I wanted to make sure that when we get our case files at arbitration, they are ready to go in front of an arbitrator. So how do we build a case file for a new steward? How do we build a case file? What do we need in that case file? If it's an article eight violation, what are we going to need to to prove our position? If it's discipline, what do we need to request? What do we need to look at contractually to beat that discipline? That way, when an advocate takes in front of an arbitrator, man, they've got it all spelled out there. It's just like a nice book. Uh, as I love to say, when I, when I get a case file in the mail that I'm going to have to go to arbitration with, it's like getting a new book and and I love to read. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love to read. And so when I get that case file and I'm looking at it, it should tell me a story, you know, it should have a good beginning, a good middle, and it's going to have a good ending. And so if I'm having to put that ending together, that's not what we want, you know? Uh, that ending should be told to me and showed to me. And so as an advocate, if I'm getting a case file and I'm having to put the beginning and the middle and the end together, that's hard on us, man, especially in arbitration. And so uh, we want to make sure that the case files are built for arbitration. And that's what this is all about, especially to those new stewards as he's talking about. However, as I got into this podcast and I started giving out my email and ways that people could contact me. The more that they did contact me, the more I realized that management is not the only problem here. The union is a majority of the problem in these smaller stations or in some of these bigger stations. It's the union that's the problem. And when I hear those things, when you come to me with that anger I'm going, to, I'm going to relay that anger over this podcast. I'm going to be your anger on this podcast. When you come to me and you're upset, I'm going to relay that on this podcast. And however that comes out is however it comes out. I am very passionate about the city letter carry. You're right, sir. <laughs> I am. Because <laughs> I am one. Um, but if somebody comes to me with anger, 
Baby, I'm going to let that anger out. I'm going to be that anger for them on this podcast. Don't think that people aren't listening high up. If you don't think that, you aren't you aren't paying attention to Mr. Renfro's episode. Don't think that they're not listening to this, hearing what I've got to say. So when my brothers and sisters talk to me on these emails, these messages, and they're hurting, and they're angry, and they're bitter because the union is letting them down, brother, y'all going to hear about it. Y'all going to hear that anger come out through me, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it comes out probably not as as well-polished as it should be, but I'm not going to choir practice either. As far as me rambling on too much, I agree with that too. I do ramble on too much. I don't know why. I just start talking and, and telling stories and stuff like that, and before I know it, it's two and a half hours long. It's just just rambling, telling about back in school. Y'all don't hear about that, but hell, that's just how I am. Like I say, I'm unapologetic. Uh, but I appreciate that review. I do. And I try to work on those things. I, I don't want them to be three hours long. And I appreciate that. Here's another one. Let's read this one. Here's one. Gave me three stars. The only three star I got. Let's see what he's got to say. This podcast is very informative, and the host does a good job of educating on great topics. Coming from someone who is a carrier, but for purposes of growth for my family, I'm not someone who will be making carrying mail a long-term carrier. So one day I look to move into management, and I do also understand that each station is different, and some management is worse than others, but the host is extremely prejudiced against management, and calls a carrier who becomes a tool for be a traitor. I personally take offense to this, as when I one day move up into management, I want to be a carrier first manager, but the host makes it seem like no one can do that at all. If you think management is bad, maybe don't complain about it, and do something like become the manager and make change. Other than that, this podcast is good and offers great information. So let's dissect this message. Here's a letter carrier that says that for long term, for his family, he's not going to be a carrier. He's going to go into management. You lost me right there, brother. (laughs) You lost me right there because I don't give a shit about management. And then he says that uh, host is extremely prejudiced against management and calls a carrier who becomes a tool for be a traitor. Let me tell you something. You can do whatever you want to in this business, and that's, that's what's great about it. You can be a shop steward. You can be a manager, 204B. But I feel that anybody that goes into management is a traitor. <laughs> Even though I have never said that one time in any of my podcasts. I've never said that, so I don't know where you got that from. Uh, I don't think I have. Maybe I did. I don't remember doing that. i got a pretty good memory. But... Um, Especially somebody that's a shop steward that goes into management, a 204B. Uh, you are a chickenless, cowardless son of a bitch to me um, because um, if, if you go to training and you use the member's dues 
to go to that training, say advanced formal A or to your regional training or to your local training and people come in and you use your dues to, to get educated. And then you go into management. What you've done is you've had the, the union educate you and then you're going into management to use that same education against the carriers. It'd be no different if, if you're in basic training and you were uh, in the Air Force. And you had a good friend that was in there with you in basic training, and y'all are going through Air Force Academy, whatever you do. And then when you get out, you got some kind of skirmish somewhere in another country, and you hear that your old buddy is flying for the country that you're going to war against. What would you think about that individual? Would you think, oh, well, that sucks. Or would you think, well, he's a spineless, gutless coward who took our training, went over, and now he's going to fight against us with the training that we provided. That's how I feel about supervisors. That's how I feel about shop stewards who become supervisors. I think you're a spineless coward. That's what I think. And any carrier that goes into management is dead to me. But this is what got me, my friend. On your, on your message here, on your three-star rating. This is what you say to Corey Walton. You say, if you think management is bad, maybe don't complain about it and do something like become the manager and make change. Baby, you don't know who in the fuck you're talking to if you're telling Corey Walton he should go into management <laughs> because you've never talked to a more union son of a bitch than me. I promise you that. There is nobody, nobody that you know that is more union than Corey Walton. So to tell me to go into management, if you could print this out, my friend, and roll that up, I would tell you to shove that up your ass. Now, three-star view, two-star view, one-star view, I don't care. But don't ever write me a message telling me to go into management. You can kiss the entirety of this ass with that. You can write all the reviews you want on me, but don't you ever suggest that I go into management and be one of those spineless, cowardless, chicken shit son of a bitches, okay? That's not me, baby. So you write whatever review you want, and, uh, and I'll take it to, to heart, and I'll, you know, I'll try to learn from it. Uh, but don't ever tell me to go into management. You can kiss my crack on that, baby. Here's one that I got. It's not a review, but it's uh, an email. And I get hundreds of these with this same message, similar messages. And this is what it says. We have a union sister who has MS. When the weather is bad, she cannot work, especially in the heat. She has exhausted her FMLA has no more sick or annual leave. She has requested a mattress for the AC and requested DRAC. Management has dragged their feet and has not done anything to help her work enough hours to qualify for FMLA. Now these heartless fucks are issuing discipline for attendance. Management offered six months letter of warning. I tried reaching out to her to find out she has been in the hospital for a couple of weeks and is on a feeding tube. She may not make it. 
This makes me so fucking angry. I want to go into the station like a Tasmanian devil and destroy management for their heartless acts. I absolutely fucking hate them. This is our people, dude. She doesn't need the added stress from work beyond her personal life and health. So tell me again, my friend, that I should go into management. Tell me that you're going into management and that you're going to make a change. To the other gentleman, tell me that I uh, uh, use foul language. And then I get this right here, that a sister of ours is in the hospital on the feeding tube and she may not make it. And you've got management who won't do the most basic of fucking things and reach out and see that this lady is on her last leg and issuing her discipline. That's the reason I get on here and say the things that I do. That's the reason I'm unapologetic for the things that I say on here because I've got sorry son of a bitches in management that will issue discipline to a lady who is on her deathbed rather than reach out to them and say, hey, whatever you need, take it. Whatever you've got to do, get yourself better. Whatever you've got to do, we've got you here. We can cover your route until you get back. Take care of yourself. What do these fuckers do? They're going to issue discipline to one of our sisters who's in a hospital bed on a feeding tube who may not make it. And you want me to go into management? Are you fucking crazy? You talking about you're going into management to make a change? You'll be the first one ever. Sir, you tell me that I cuss too much? That's the fucking reason why right there. You say I don't get on these tangents that they're not very good? I'm going to be the voice of people who reach out to me. I will not stop doing that. This is about education, true enough. But as I've gotten into it and I see that the things that are happening to our people, and you don't think I'm not going to tell you about it? If there's something going on in Maine, do you think somebody in Oregon should know about it? If there's something going on in Oregon, do you think somebody in Miami should know about it? Do you think that the, the brothers and sisters in this country should know, hey, this is what's going on in this certain part, just in case it comes to you? That's what I'm going to do. I reach a lot of people. A lot of people. And so that's what I'm going to do. If somebody in Maine's having a problem, and management is doing something to them, I'm going to echo that to y'all. I'm going to be that voice. I'm going to be angry for them. And I'm going to express that anger to y'all. If somebody is in California and they're raising hell and they have no representation, I'm going to raise hell for them because it may help somebody in New York, may help somebody in Nebraska, may help somebody in Florida. You never know. But I'm not going to change the way I'm doing things. Please keep writing those reviews, though, because I do listen to them. I do read them, okay? But don't ever tell me to get into management, ever. Uh, you don't know who I am. <laughs> if, that's, if you felt comfortable writing that to me, you don't know who I am. Here's the last one I'm going to read. It's pretty good. And here's a review. Subject. Love this shit. That's the subject. Now, I love this shit, so I know we're going to get good right here. Your message. Hey, Mr. Walton, I came across your pod just by Googling about how bad it has been. 
I found your podcast because I was interested in our brothers and sisters within the railroad. I'm a proud city letter carrier, fed the fuck up. I'm actually a federal city route 11 carrier, just like you. Hockey scholarship, four-year degree, holding, proud fucking badass mailman, no shame. And there shouldn't be any more. This has been what I always wanted to do. Post office used to be a goal. People like you are fighting for me like I used to fight for my school. Thank you. Been union blood my whole life. My grandma worked for 60 years in the union at Boise Cascade. She told me always, fucking always, be pro-union. That shit you said explaining how the union is one finger is annoying, but when all these motherfuckers wrap their fingers and ball up, watch out. I love that so much. Old-timers get that shit. We need like a flock of you to come around and whip this shit up. Inspired. I had a guy when I started tell me, do not in any circumstances trust these motherfuckers ever. They'll try for an inch, but they'll take so much more. Shit isn't new. They will lie, cheat you. They are not your friend. He was an old-timer who used to be a union steward in the 90s. Now my mentor, and probably more of a father figure than my actual dad. See, this type of shit people don't understand about unions. We fucking ride together. Come on, baby. Buckle the fuck up, because we are here too. Buckle the fuck up. Union don't break for speed bumps. We floor this bitch. Anyway, you've inspired me to not only be a badass, good-looking letter carrier who cares, but to inspire others in my local branch to fucking prepare. I love the rants. Keep that shit up. Maybe do an episode about common complaints just for letter carriers and what to do. Like your manager says this shit or gets on your ass for that. Just the common bullshit they do. I'm a downtown route when traffic is super unpredictable. These bitches don't care. They'll always bully it. But just like you said, I'm just going to do my best. Fuck (laughs) y'all. I'm also, I'm not sure how to send a link, but listen to War With Us by Young Boy. (laughs) Now then, see... When I say that we need an uprising in this union, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Give me that right there. Don't give me the one saying, can you please tone down the rhetoric? No, sir. No, sir. I'm not. Because too many people have been injured and hurt by management in this company. Too many. I have seen it too many times. You would be shocked at the things I see in arbitration, at how management treats letter carriers. You'd be shocked. You wouldn't believe it. I have seen it over and over again. Like I said in my ergonomics episode, I've seen the depths at which management will go to hurt my people. So I respect your opinion, my friend, saying that I curse too much. And I do try. I promise I do. I respect your opinion talking about three-hour episodes. I do, and I don't want them to be that long. I've already said that before. I do respect your opinion that that I go on these rants and uh, just talk too much. I agree with that. I do. And I try to do better. But um, I will be the anger in these emails. I will be that anger on here. And however that comes out is however it comes out. I'm not a gosh dang it kind of person or a doggone it or a dadgummit. 
That's just not me. Like I said, I'm unapologetic for calling them chicken shits, cowardly motherfuckers. I'm unapologetic for that because that's how I feel about them. Okay? But thank you, sir, for writing in that review. I appreciate it. And I need more like that to to keep me honest. I do. (laughs) But a lot of people message me and saying, hey, look, you've rekindled a fire in me that I hadn't had in a long time. Or you've made me want to do better. Or you've made me want to learn. You've made me want to be a steward again because I stepped down of that because I was so dissuaded. I was so beaten. I was so overwhelmed. My union never helped me. I had no way to learn. And so I stepped out of that role. But you have inspired me to do that again. Hey, listen to me. You've always had it in you to be the badass that you are. That's, that's nothing that I'm done to do that. You've always had it in you from the beginning to be that badass motherfucker that you are. Now, I may have blew on the embers a little bit and rekindled that a little bit with, you know, a little bit of passion here and there, but that's just how I am. So if that's happened, I, I appreciate you saying that, and that's great. But you've always had it in you to be that fighter or else you wouldn't be listening to this as a shop steward or as a letter carrier because you want to learn and you want to do better. And I will be teaching as long as, I've been, as long as I'm breathing. I'll be doing that. But you've always had it in you to be that. Whatever reason you stepped away, Whatever reason you got discouraged, it's never too late to represent. It's never too late to ball up that fist and say, hey, I am the union. It's never too late. Okay? Get back in the ring. We need you. Get back on the field. We need you. Okay? We need you to fight. We don't have enough. We don't have enough, I'm telling you. We don't have enough people that are champions for our brothers and sisters. Too many people in leadership, local and national, too many in leadership refuse to fight. I get too many messages from people saying, my branch president refuses to get engaged and fight. My formal step A refuses to get engaged and fight. My business agent refused to get engaged and fight. I could put those up on the website and you wouldn't believe the number that I get, the sheer volume that I get on that. You wouldn't believe it. And that's why I told Mr. Renfro to be careful now what you say when I asked about what do you do if your your business agent isn't helping you. What are you doing if your branch president or if your formal A isn't helping? What do you do? And he says, well, call me. Be careful, my friend. Be careful. It would shock you to see what I see as far as the union failing their people. It would shock you, Mr. Renfro. I'm telling you, if you saw what I saw on these messages, the union in bed with management at these stations, that refuse to stand up and represent and file a grievance. That's why that makes me so angry. There's nothing makes me more angry than than us, the union. 
refusing to help our people, it makes me more angry than management. I know management. They're lying, cheating bastards. I say it all the time. That's who they are. I know what they are. I know it. But God dog, man, the union cannot be that way. I get more angry at that than anything else. That's when I say when I say things like file the fucking grievance. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we're here to do. That's our job. And the things that I see are more troubling than what management does to us. I know what management is. You know? I told the story about the rattlesnake a long time ago about the drug addict, but that's management. I know what they are. They're a rattlesnake. I, I know who they are. I know that. I know that if I try to pet them and, and be cordial to them and try to embrace them, what they're going to do, they're going to bite me and they're going to try to kill me. That's management. I know that. But us? What is that? I, I don't know that. That's the problem. You're supposed to be my agent, I thought. You're supposed to be that one that has chosen to go to battle for me. You're, you chose to be the one that steps into the ring on my behalf and fight for me. But what you've done is you've jumped out of the ring and left me in there by myself. To fight an enemy, I'm not prepared to fight. I'm a city letter carrier. I'm not prepared to fight management. That's what I have you for. That's what I've got the agent for. That's what I've got a shop steward for. That's what I've got my business agent for. To fight for me because I'm not equipped to do that. I'm not equipped myself. I come to work and I stick my route and I go deliver. That's the city letter carrier. And what I do is I pay dues to a union to represent me. So when shit goes down, you will stand in the gap. You will stand in front of me. And you will take on that fight for me. That's what you've chosen to do if you're in any position with the union. You have chosen to stand in front of me and fight on my behalf. And when you don't do that, what good are you? When you leave it up to me to fight for myself, I'm not equipped to do that. So what good are you? What good is my dues? Huh? So, yeah. I apologize for cussing so much. Damn it, I don't want to. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> but, uh, again, I'm unapologetic for who I am and what I do. It's heartbreaking to see my union let us down like they do. I, I just don't understand it. Okay? All right. Y'all get into some residual mail in the DPS? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying not to rant, right? I gave you a little bit, but like I said, I'd probably do a lot more if I had a voice, but my voice is gone. I hope y'all can hear me. It's, it's not coming up very loud on my... I got a little thing on my screen that shows my voice going across and it doesn't look very loud so i'm hoping y'all hearing this but i have no voice whatsoever it's gone baby it's gone i left it in knoxville all right residual mail in the dps and you know not everybody likes me okay i get that <laughs> i get i read things not everybody likes me and, and likes my approach to things okay that does not offend me i promise you that i promise you you know why baskin robbins has 31 flavors 
Do y'all know why Baskin Robbins has Baskin Robbins has thirty one flavors? It's because everybody don't like vanilla, right? If everybody liked vanilla, they'd just have one flavor. They got thirty one because everybody doesn't like vanilla. Well, everybody don't like me, and I get that. <laughs> I'm a little abrasive. I remember <laughs> when I worked at uh, Ackland Station when I first started back in '92. There was a man there named Red Baird. He delivered mail. He's since deceased. Um, but his name was Red Baird, and he was best friends with my uncle growing up. So he would always tell me stories about my uncle and my dad. And I loved sitting there with him, and we'd talk forever. And uh, But uh, he told me one time, he's like, Corey, you could irritate a steel ball. <laughs> so <laughs> I took that as a compliment. You could irritate a steel ball. I know that I'm not for everybody, Okay. I know that, and it doesn't offend me, I promise you. So when you write reviews, I don't get offended by that. Now, the guy who told me to get into management can kiss my ass, but uh, I, don't get, I don't get offended, I promise you, on reviews. <laughs> not everybody likes me. I'm not that one flavor. I'm all 31. So <laughs> let's get into some residual mail in the DPS. Now, Lou Drass came out with something in the postal record, and I'm going to start out with this. And then I'm going to read the template that uh, Jeremy's going to put up on Formate Arbitration. I'm going to read the template. And then I'm going to, I've got four sites. It's the only four sites in the country. And uh, all of them were by the same advocate. I'll talk a little bit about that. And I'm going to read from one of the sites. It's Roberta Bayhackle's site. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the arbitration that we were in, okay? Me and AJ Bro from uh, Lake Charles. I'm going to read this from Lou. I'm going to read the whole thing, okay? And uh, because this is going to, and this this is going to be up on for made arbitration as well. A lot of these arguments that are on this is what you're going to put down on your contentions. All right, uh, your contentions are going to look very similar to these things that we're talking about right here. Okay, uh, a lot of these M documents and these questions and things, and I'll talk to you about how we we brought that out in front of this arbitrator and management's arguments. In arbitration, and that'll help you when you uh, when you get your contentions down, okay? But this is from Lou Drass, and it's delivery point sequencing issue and adjudication, all right? And it's the postal record. It's April of 2022. And again, this is going to be on from aidarbitration.com, so check that out, and all these things are going to be on there. It says, this article concerns an annoying delivery point sequencing problem that some of you deal with on a daily basis, and for no good reason. We will describe the issue, give you some historical background, and offer some guidance for correcting this problem through the grievance procedure. The problem. Do you have mail included in your DPS tray each day that is sorted to the main address, say 100 Main Street, but not properly sorted to the secondary addresses, suite A, B, C, etc.? and is kicked to the front of the main address because it's out of delivery order for the secondary address. This mail has the same primary address, but also has a secondary address that requires sorting before delivery in locations such as strip malls, medical buildings with multiple delivery points, or apartment complexes with cluster boxes in different locations. In some cases, this mail gets kicked to just before the first secondary address, 100 Main Street, Suite A, in the DPS. While in other cases, 
The whole main address, 100 Main Street, is like a shuffled deck of cards and all of it needs to be sorted before attempting delivery. Those of you who experience this problem either collate the mail in or at the vehicle before delivery or go back where the DPS mail is staged, fish it out, and sort it in the office each morning. You should not have to make this choice. This mail is supposed to be brought to your case with the rest of your residual letter mail and sorted, cased up, in the office. If when it is not, it is not only an annoying and inefficient problem, it is also a contract violation. Now I'll get into that a little bit more here in just a second. Historical background. The principle that any letter mail included in your DPS must be in delivery sequence order has deep roots in our bargaining history. DPS principles, work methods, implementation guidelines, etc. were all jointly developed and implemented by USPS and NELC. This started with a series of memoranda of understanding, MOUs, that were signed on September 17, 1992, and that appear on pages 239-249 in the 2019-2023 National Agreement. The national parties followed these MOUs by releasing a joint training guide called Building Our Future by Working Together on November 19, 1992, and that's M Document 1306. M Document 1306. National trainers were then employed to deliver this training to the local level all over the country. Any questions that arose from this process were forwarded to the national parties for a joint response. The national parties published a series of MOUs, M1151, M1152, and M1153, that contained 80 questions and answers concerning any aspect of DPS letter mail that anyone had a question about. There were just two questions concerning the bedrock principle that mail in the DPS does not require additional sorting on the street before delivery. M1153 covered questions 55 through 80. Question and answer 64 and 69 state. Now these are the two most important ones for you in your case file and in arbitration. Okay, it's M1153. It covered questions 55 through 80. Question and answer 64 and 69 state. Question 64. At what point does DPS mail trigger residual mail? And the answer. Residual mail is any mail that is not in DPS order once a delivery unit starts receiving DPS mail. Now I'm going to read that again because that is critical that if you're going to testify, you understand this point. Question 64. At what point does DPS mail trigger residual mail? Answer. Residual mail is any mail that is not in DPS order once a delivery unit starts receiving DPS mail. And I'll go over that at length here in just a second, how AJ killed management on this. Question 69. If DPS mail is received in a delivery unit on more than one dispatch, does that meet the requirement of putting mail in DPS order for two or more consecutive weeks considering the need to collate the bundles? A. 
Answer. DPS mail is one bundle of mail in delivery point sequence. Mail that must be collated before delivery is not considered DPS mail. The number of dispatches is irrelevant. I'm going to read that answer to you again because this is critical. Okay, and I'll explain this at length in just a second. DPS mail is one bundle of mail in delivery point sequence. Mail that must be collated before delivery is not considered DPS mail. The number of dispatches is irrelevant. These questions and answers support the fact that DPS is and always has been one bundle of mail that requires no additional sorting on the street before attempting delivery. And any letter mail that requires additional sorting on the street does not belong in the DPS trays. Now let me stop and I'm going to address that. If you have DPS, and it talks here about 100 Main Street. If you've got an apartment complex at 100 Main Street, and it starts at A1, and it ends at Z20. So A1 is your first delivery at this apartment complex at 100 Main Street. When I go to 100 Main Street and I go in this mail room, when I pick up that first handful of DPS, that first piece of mail should go to A1, right? It should not be a blank. It should not be 100 Main Street, no apartment number. Because then I'm going to have to take that and collate that. If I've got 30 pieces like that before I get to A1, that mail in front of A1 is residual mail. Okay? If I've got 30 pieces that don't have an address, don't have a, a sufficient address, only has A, only has B, only has C, but no number, and I've got to collate that. That is not considered DPS mail. Okay? Because DPS mail means when I go to that unit and I pick that up, that first piece, A1. That second piece, A2. Third piece, A3. You know, if I've got a building complex and it's got suite 100, 200, 300, 400, and I go in there and the first 30 pieces have no suite number. It's just 100 Main Street. No suite number on there. That is not DPS mail. If I have to collate that, if I have to say that's Dr. Swanson, let's see, he's, he's down here in 400, so i got to do that here. This is uh, whatever. They're, they're down here in 600. Got to put that over there. That's collating. That's not DPS mail. When I get into that building complex, that first piece of DPS should be 100 Main Street, Suite 100. Okay? That is not DPS mail if I've got to collate that mail. If I have to sit in my vehicle and collate that in delivery sequence, that is not DPS mail. Okay? And that is critical when we go to arbitration that we explain that thoroughly in our contentions. So the answer to the question 64, residual mail is any mail that is not in DPS order once a delivery unit starts receiving DPS mail. Qu answer to question 69, DPS mail is one bundle of mail in delivery point sequence. Mail that must be collated before delivery is not considered DPS mail. The number of dispatches is irrelevant, okay? So those are the two most critical things when you go into arbitration.
when I was in this arbitration with AJ, uh, management's formal step A came in there. And he was saying that as long as it came to 100 Main Street, that was considered DPS mail. It didn't matter how many pieces were in front of that first A1 or that first suite 100. It didn't, if there was 100 pieces that didn't have a suite or an apartment number, it's still DPS mail because it made it to 100 Main Street. And that's management's argument. And so I asked, so if you had an apartment complex that started with A1 and it's 10 NDBCUs at this apartment complex. And so I've got one NDBCU that's A1 to whatever. And the very last one down here is NDBCU 10. And it ends in Z20. You're saying that DPS has fulfilled its obligation. If I get to this apartment complex and my very first piece goes to Z20. And so I got to walk all the way down there to that NDBCU number 10 and put that in there. My second piece has no address on it. So I got to set that up here and we got to collate that later. My third address goes to F6. So I'm going to have to go down here to the middle and do that. I said, so you're telling the arbitrator that that is, in your opinion, that is DPS mail. He said, yes. I said, so if you were out on the street with a letter carrier and they were doing that, you would not address that? No. And so I just asked the arbitrator to put that in her decision. I said, Madam Arbitrator, if you don't mind putting that in your decision, that here in this installation, management doesn't care how you do it on the street. If they go with us and we have time-wasting practices going 10 NDBCs down, down three, two, five, seven, that they're not going to say anything to us, that we're going to get that time credit. And, um, I mean, they know they had screwed that up. But anyway, that when I tell you they're going to lie about everything, that's what I'm talking about. There's no way in hell if I go to an apartment complex and I got 10 NDBCUs that they're going to let me go to number 10, number 2, number 6. They're going to want me to stand at that first one until it's delivered fully. Go to the second one until it's delivered fully. Go to the third one until it's delivered fully. That's how you do it. That's DPS mail. So just make sure that we cover that as far as the answer. Residual mail is any mail that is not in DPS order. Once a delivery unit starts receiving DPS mail. And delete DPS mail is one bundle of mail in delivery point sequence. Mail that must be collated before delivery is not considered DPS mail, okay? And we'll make sure that we cover that in our contentions. And, and I've got the contention here in just a second. Arbitration experience. This issue has been arbitrated regionally on four occasions over the past few years. NALC has been successful in each case. The USPS position on the issue has changed with time. In both of the first two cases, arbitrated by Arbitrator Nixon, Marietta, Georgia, and Arbitrator Miles, Decatur, Alabama, management acknowledged that it had violated the national agreement when it included secondary address mail that is not in delivery point order, residual mail, in the DPS trays, and that's exactly what I just talked about. Each arbitrator ordered USPS to cease and desist the practice of including secondary address mail not in delivery order in the trays of DPS mail. In the third case, decided by arbitrator August, 
Deland, Florida. Management did not acknowledge a con- contract violation. Instead, it took the position that the mail in question was not residual mail that needed to be sorted in the office, but DPS sort errors, which did not have to be removed from the DPS trays. Arbitrator August rejected this argument and ruled management violated the national agreement, specifically M1306 and M1153, when they failed to remove residual mail from the DPS, which the parties have agreed required casing in the office. The service will cease and desist including residual mail in the DPS trays at the Dayland, Florida post office installation. Management shall work with AIMS and implant support to correct the residual mail issues in the DPS. In the fourth case, decided by arbitrator Bayhackle, and that's the one I'm going to read from. It's very good. Warner Robbins, Georgia. Management pulled out all the stops and strained the slightest appearance of credibility. It began by arguing that this issue is not arbitrable for several reasons. One, the mail in question is not residual mail, but actually the result of DPS sort errors, and therefore, step forward decision M1356 resolved the issue in this case. Two, the Building Our Future by Working Together Joint Training Guide, that's M1306, set out a process for disputes concerning DPS mail to be resolved through a joint body at the national level. This means that the parties have agreed the DPS questions will not be ruled on by regional arbitrators. 3. Part of the NELC position letter for the 2011 interest arbitration and the resulting DOS award somehow made it to where this case could not be heard by a regional arbitrator. The arbitrator rejected each of these arguments. When that hocus-pocus did not work, Management declared this case to be interpretive and sent it to headquarters for review by the national parties. We jointly agreed that the case did not involve any interpretive issues and remanded it back to regional arbitration. Management then argued that the mail in question cannot be considered residual mail because it had been sorted through the DPS machine to the correct main address, 100 Main Street. That's what I was talking about earlier. They're saying as long as it made it to that address... Is DPS mail and should be dealt with through the local 3M process. And I'm going to touch on the 3M process here in just a minute. Try not to get y'all too confused. NELC argued that management violated M1306, M1153, and M1246 via Article 15 of the National Agreement and Section 121.1 of the M41 Handbook via Article 19 of the national agreement by including residual mail in the DPS trays and this mail must be removed from the DPS and cased by the carriers prior to leaving the office. The arbitrator ruled the testimony presented at the hearing established that carriers are being required to sort the mail in question while on the street so that it can be properly delivered. The intent of the DPS process is to sort mail for the carriers and have it in delivery order for the street without any further processing. And that's critical. The mail in question here is not in complete delivery order. It has been pre-sorted to the main address, but for various reasons not sorted any further. 
After considering all the above, it is my determination that the male in question here is residual male as defined by the parties in M1153 and should be cased by the carriers in the office and not sorted on the street. I find that the male that is in question here is residual male if it meets each of the following parameters, is in DPS order only to the main address, is not properly sorted to the secondary address, has been included in the carrier's DPS mail, but kicked to the front of the main address, but because it is out of, because it is out of delivery order for the secondary address. And that's what we just talked about. The grievance is sustained. Management is found to have violated the national level settlements, M1306 and M1153, and Section 121 of the M41 Handbook, when it included secondary address mail that was not in delivery sequence. The Postal Service shall cease and desist from including secondary address mail not in delivery sequence order in the DPS trays. And it says guidance. If you're a letter carrier who is affected by this problem, you can request to see your shop steward and ask him or her to file a grievance, but you'll have to write down which addresses in the DPS trays on your route require you to sort mail before attempting delivery. If you're a shop steward in an office that has this problem and are interested in getting it corrected, we have created some help for you. There is a grievance starter that covers this issue available through your national business agent's office. And I'm putting this, that grievance starter on from adarbitration.com. Jeremy's going to put it up there for you. This grievance starter comes with an interview sheet that takes less than five minutes to fill out. Here is the recipe. Obtain the interview sheets and grievance starter through your national business agent's office. Again, I've got that up on formatearbitration.com. Ask the regular letter carrier for each route to fill out an interview sheet. Use the carrier technician or someone on a hold down for vacant routes. The interview sheets are the key to success with this issue in the grievance procedure. Please do not file a case without them. Use the grievance starter and make any adjustments as needed based on your local circumstances. Hopefully management will just acknowledge that placing secondary address mail in a DPS tray that requires further sorting before attempting delivery is a contract violation and take this mail out of DPS like they did in the first few cases referenced above. If not, and you follow the simple recipe above, you'll be ready to go the distance on this issue. And he says, uh, in closing, I'd like to take this opportunity to recognize and thank Assistant to the President, Greg Dixon, for his efforts. He has been leading the charge on this issue for the NLC. And Greg Dixon is the advocate who did the first four cases. He won all four of them. And he's got some great arguments in there, some that I used in my arbitration, that management attempted to raise uh, in this arbitration that I was in. And uh, he did a fantastic job. And so here's the local grievance starter. And you can look it up, but I'm just going to read it, okay? And that way you'll get kind of accustomed to the language, and it'll, it'll, hopefully it'll make sense to you when you read it, this grievance starter. Issue statement one, did management violate the Memorandum of Understanding, MOU, dated September 1992, building our future by working together? M1306. The joint questions and answers concerning the September 1992 memorandums, M1153. And those are the questions I just talked about earlier. 
and or the UPS letter dated March 13, 1996, M1246, via Article 15 of the National Agreement, and if so, what should the remedy be? Number two, did management violate Section 121.1 of the M41 Handbook via Article 19 of the National Agreement by including secondary address mail that is not in delivery order in delivery point sequence trays at the whatever station, and if so, what should the remedy be? Union facts and contentions. Facts. On a daily basis, secondary address mail that is not in delivery order is included in DPS trays for several routes at the so-and-so station installation. This fact is verified by the carrier statements interviews included in the case file. Number two, this mail comes in DPS at the beginning of each address that contains a secondary address, such as apartment complexes and office buildings. Because this mail is not in delivery sequence, letter carriers must collate the mail on the street before delivery. These facts are verified by the carrier statements interviewed included in the case file. And in, in my arbitration, uh, AJ had gotten like uh, 10 or 15 letter carriers to do this questionnaire. I called one. He had been delivering mail for quite some time. And uh, to me, he uh, talked to several. He was the best one. He had apartment complex and a building complex. And he said that when he gets to each uh, to the apartment building, he has to sit in his vehicle for about 10 or 15 minutes a day and collate those pieces of mail that come in before uh, in the front of that apartment complex before it gets to that initial address. Same thing with uh, his business mail. If it starts at Suite 100, he's got about 15 or 20 pieces of DPS mail before Suite 100 that have no suite number, have no office number, uh, and so or office name, and so he has to collate that mail before he goes in and delivers it. And so that would be considered residual mail, what we're talking about. And so I used him. He is a very good witness for me, extremely good witness. Number three, question and answer number 64 of 1153 states, and this is what I talked about earlier. Question 64, at what point does DPS mail trigger residual mail? Answer, residual mail is any mail that is not in DPS order once a delivery unit starts receiving DPS mail. And that is your definition of residual mail. Okay? The definition of residual mail is, residual mail is any mail that is not in DPS order once a delivery unit starts receiving DPS mail. And the reason that's critical is because management's advocate asked AJ 20 times to define residual mail. He had asked him, can you define residual mail? And AJ told him, it's question, the answer to question 64. Well, I want you to define it. Okay, residual mail is any mail that is not in delivery point sequence. He kept on, finally, I just said, you know, look, Madam Arbitrator, I, I get it, but Mr. Bro has answered this question 10 times now. So that's asked and answered, can we move along? And, and he just wouldn't give it up. And so the arbitrator smashed management, too. I th it was over with pretty quick in this hearing. But if they ask you to define what is residual mail, that's your definition. Residual mail is any mail that is not in DPS order 
once the delivery unit starts receiving DPS mail. And like I said earlier, if I'm at an apartment complex and I pick up that first handful of DPS, that first letter should go straight to that first, whatever my first number is, A1. That first letter should go to A1. If I've got 30 pieces in front of A1 that have no address on it, no apartment number, that would be considered residual mail. Number four, the answer to question number 69 of M1153 provides the definition of DPS mail. It states, DPS mail is one bundle of mail in delivery point sequence. Mail that must be collated before delivery is not considered DPS mail. The number of dispatches is irrelevant. And here's a, here's a little thing that AJ did to them. This is what I was talking about when AJ slaughtered them. But management's contention, part of their contention was that, look, the carriers are getting paid for it. What does it matter? And that's what they said. You know, are you getting paid to do that? Well, yeah, I'm getting paid to do it. Then what difference does it make? Because the carrier said, hey, I've got to spend 10, 15 minutes in my vehicle collating this mail. Well, did you get paid for that time? Yeah, I got paid for the time. Okay. Well, then our management has the right on Article 3 to manage, right? Are you getting disciplined for doing that? Well, no, I've not gotten disciplined. Have you been getting an investigative interview for that? No, I've not been given an investigative interview for that. Have they even been giving you an official discussion about it? No. No official discussion. So management doesn't care. No, they don't care. So what's the big deal? And that was their argument here. And so AJ says, well, because I should be doing that in the office, like we said. And I'm not allowed to do that in the office, to sort that mail in the office. Uh, I'm having to do it on the street. And so the advocate asked him a question, and you never ask questions in arbitration that you don't know the answer to. That's rule number one. <laughs> you don't ask a question that you don't know the answer to. But he did. And he asked AJ, he said, well, what difference does it make if you're doing it in the office or doing it on the street? <laughs> well, why would you ask that question? Because you just opened up the door for AJ to walk through, and he did that. And AJ walked right through it. And the guy spent the rest of the arbitration trying to get the arbitrator to disallow AJ's testimony, and she refused to do it. And I even made fun of him a little bit in my closing. But AJ said, well, the reason is, is that under these new memos, 1982, 83, 84, if I'm out on the street and I'm collating this mail, and I'm sitting here for a period of 10 to 15 minutes, that is now going to be flagged. And that could be taken away from me. Even if I tell the parties, hey, right here, I'm collating this mail, they could still potentially take that time away from me, and I could lose that time. If I'm in the office, they can't do that. I have a standard in the office. They're not watching me. So I can collate that mail in the office where it's supposed to be. And so he completely wrecked them with that question when he asked him, what difference does it make? Well, it makes a difference now because of these new memos. That time that I spent out there, it could be considered a stationary event, and the parties could potentially take that away from me. Now, he didn't make that argument in his contentions. AJ did not. 
And so the guy, he's, he catches himself. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is new argument. And so I just simply said, Madam Arbitrator, what is he going to do, object to his own question? And so she said, well, no, you open the door so he can answer the question. He's like, well, he didn't say any of this in his contentions. And AJ said, because nobody asked me that before this hearing. <laughs> it was absolutely beautiful. But, yeah, so he just said, you know, basically – Nobody was stupid enough to ask that until I got in this arbitration and you asked me that. But AJ just said, nobody asked me that before this arbitration. You're the first one to ask me that. And so that's the answer. It was so bad that the arbitrator came back and she's like, Mr. Bro, I'm interested in what you said about the stationary events. Tell me more about what you mean. He got to tell her <laughs> specifically under these new memos. 1982, 83, and 84. It's a new route adjustment process. We've not gone through this before. They're using our scanner data to track us on the routes now. And if they see that we have a stationary event, it'll flag that stationary event. And when I go and talk to the parties and they say, there's nothing that proves you did that, they can take that time away from me. So she's engaging him in this conversation. The other advocate got his head on the table. Just can't believe he did that. He's going crazy. This is completely new argument. This is completely new argument. And so I just simply said, hey, look, I don't know why you're getting mad at him for walking through a door that you opened. You're getting mad at Mr. Bro because he walked through a door that you opened for him. And so the arbitrator, I mean, she just wasn't having his argument, you know. So AJ just spent a long time inside that room he opened the door for. But that would be a good argument to add to these contentions. Under 1982 and 83 and 84, I wouldn't make that an issue, but I would make it a contention. Under these new memos, uh, that time could potentially be taken from us that were out there collating this mail. Uh, you know, there's a chance. Now, our people are very good, and I'm sure that they would make sure that that got allowed into our route. But if there's any chance at all that that time could be taken out, I'd make that argument. Under 1982, 1983, 1984, we get flagged for stationary events now, which didn't happen before. And they can rightfully take that time away from us. And I would make that a contention if I was you. And AJ, and he burned it to the ground in that which was absolutely beautiful. Number five, M1246 states in relevant part, the established DPS implementation procedures are mandatory and cannot be obviated by calling mail in delivery point sequence enhanced to pass or by some other term. The Postal Service will immediately end such practices when they are brought to its attention. Eight, M1306 sets out the basic principles regarding DPS mail, providing the best service to postal customers, mailers, and recipients, minimizing the impact on letter carrier craft employees, creating an opportunity for increased efficiency. Seven, section 121 of the M41 handbook states in relevant part, 121, office duties. 121.1, .1, time allowances. 
121.11. Route or case all classes of mail. Exception. DPS mail will be cased only when management requires in sequence of delivery along one or more established routes. See Exhibit 121.11 for maximum time allowances. The accurate and speedy routing of mail is one of the most important duties of a carrier. You must be proficient at this task. 121.2. Case duties. 121.22. Obtain mail and prepare it in sequence for efficient delivery by yourself or a placement along an established route. And in this hearing, management's formal step A said that the union had put in here this language, route or case all classes of mail, exception, DPS mail will be cased only when management requires in sequence of delivery along one or more established routes. Uh, and so that's the part of the M41. So in this hearing, management's formal step A and his contention said that the union has contended this, but it does not say where this has to happen. It doesn't tell them where this has to happen, where it's supposed to say route or case all classes of mail, exception, DPS mail will be a case only when management requires. It says that the union never specified when that was supposed to happen. So I just took him to 121.1, time allowances, and I said, can you read what's above that? And he said, office duties. <laughs> so I said, well... Would you consider that to mean office duties or street duties? He said, well, it's office duties. I said, okay. I said, so what's the problem? Because he said it didn't say where it's supposed to happen. It says right there, office duties. So that's just one of those things you like to do when you're in arbitration. So <laughs> contentions, and here's the contentions. Management violated M1306. M1153 and or M1246 via Article 19 of the National Agreement and Section 121 of the M41 Handbook via Article 19 of the National Agreement by including secondary address mail that is not in delivery order or in DPS trays. 2. M1153, M1246, and M1306 are clear in that DPS mail is one bundle of mail in delivery point sequence. Mail that is not in delivery order is not delivery. It is not DPS mail. Mail that must be collated before delivery is not DPS mail. That's critical. The established DPS procedures are mandatory. The Postal Service is required to end practices which are in contravention of established DPS procedures immediately. Number three. Management has also violated the basic principles regarding DPS mail. Customer secondary address mail could be delayed or misdelivered due to the fact that it has to be collated on the street rather than cased in delivery order. Letter carriers are required by Section 121 of the Handbook M41 to prepare mail in sequence for efficient delivery in the office. Four, the only solution to this issue is to have secondary address mail that is not in delivery order in DPS trays distributed to the carriers in the office for casing as required by Section 221.1 of the Handbook M41. Remedy, Block 19 on PS Form 8190. 1. That management cease and assist violating M1306, 
M1153, and or M1246 via Article 15 of the National Agreement, and Section 121 of Handbook M41 via Article 19 of the National Agreement by including secondary address mail that is not in delivery order in DPS trays. Two, that management immediately end practices which are in contravention of established DPS procedures. Three, that letter carriers, has the names, each be paid a lump sum of $50 for each violation to serve as an incentive for future compliance. Four, that all payments associated with this case be made as soon as administratively possible, but no later than 30 days from the date of the settlement. And five, that proof of payment be provided to the NELC upon payment. And then it's got the uh, Article 15 language, if it happens again, if you have a, a violation of it, and then they continue to violate it, it'll be those Article 15 arguments. And it'll be in this template as well. I'm not going to go over that because I've gone over it a hundred times. And it's got the interview. Mail in your DPS that must be sorted before delivery. This DPS mail has the same primary address, but also has a secondary address, which requires sorting before delivery in certain places such as strip malls or medical buildings with multiple delivery points or apartment complexes with cluster boxes in different locations. It's got the name, the route number, the cell number. Do you have deliveries with secondary addresses that require you to sort or collate DPS mail before delivery? Yes or no? If yes, please identify those addresses, the number of deliveries, and the approximate amount of time it takes to sort the mail for each address. And that's the questionnaire that's in there. It's very good. And make sure that you do that because it's critical when you go to arbitration. That way you'll be able to use that carrier who filled that out. It's got a request for information, copies of the edit books for each city route at the station post office installation, and you're requesting to interview the following carriers. And that's your information. And it's got a request for steward time. And that's good for your new stewards. If you want just a blank uh, copy for steward time, it's got one in there. Just copy off about 20 of them. And you can have you a good stack of uh, National Association Letter Carriers requests for steward time. I hope you are hearing this because it's barely showing up on my thing up there. But my voice is absolutely shot. All right, there's that. And so I'm going to read to you from Arbitrator Bayhackle's decision. But you've got four decisions, and all of them are from, uh, have been done by Greg Dixon for us. He did all four of them, and he's done a masterful job. And I'm going to read Arbitrator Bayhackle's, but you've got one from Arbitrator August, C34983, C34983, that's Miss August. You got one from Joanne Nixon, C33659, C33659. You've got one from Arbitrator Miles, C34279, C34279. And I'll write all these on my little episode thing. And then Arbitrator Bayhackle, C35023, 35023. Uh, and one thing that management tried to argue was, is that, and I'll just read it to you. In this B-team decision, so the union will present prior decisions they claim to be relevant. However, the union does not make a clear association between this current situation and how this grievance relates to these prior decisions. And he's talking about all those M documents. The documents the union relies on go as far back as 1992. 
There are no decisions cited within the last 20 years. I started my career with the USPS in a delivery unit as a carrier just prior to the implementation of the DPS process, which is completely inappropriate for this B team member to do. It's completely inappropriate to tell the arbitrator, hey, look, I, I delivered in this thing. I went back, you know, I delivered since 92. Completely inappropriate. I can tell you from a professional firsthand account, the current DPS processing is extremely more efficient than it is at its inception. Completely new argument and completely inappropriate. These decisions cited by the union are old and refer to a different time and place for the DPS process. They're outdated and no longer relevant in consideration to the current DPS environment. Y'all hear that? So he's talking about these step fours now, these M documents, uh, saying that they're outdated, go back to 1992. So our advocates get ready for that argument. But Greg Dixon addresses that in his Arbitrator August decision. So when I read that decision from the B team, I read all these decisions, and, and Greg Dixon had already addressed this in one, so management must have made that argument, and I'll read it to you. It's an arbitrator August decision. It's on page five. And when I get all these decisions, I read them from the front to the back. When I get all these arbitration decisions, just to make sure that I know my argument is always has a union position. It'll have management's position. I'll read theirs because they're always kind of similar and see how the arbitrator addressed each one. So that way, when you get into arbitration, if there's arguments that are starting to be made, like this 3M case, and stuff like that. If I read it in some of these decisions, I'll read that to the arbitrator at the end. Say, hey, look, they've already addressed this. And so when management in this B team decision is talking about these decisions are outdated, these step fours or these M documents, this is what he says. The union argued that management in this case, case is clearly attempting to obviate the DPS implementation procedures by changing the terms and claiming their local processes override the national agreements. The union further argued that those national agreements are as binding today on the parties as the day they were signed. They noted that none of the agreements were re renegotiated or replaced, and the union has every right to enforce these binding national level agreements. So he covered what management was talking about in that B team decision, where it says, hey, those are outdated. Those are from 1992. What is Greg saying? And this is a completely different case, where Greg says, the union further argued that those national agreements are as binding today on the parties as the day they were signed. They noted that none of the agreements were renegotiated or replaced. And the union has every right to enforce these binding national level agreements. So all these M documents that I just read, none of those have been renegotiated or replaced. And so when I saw that on that B team decision, I pointed that out in my closing and I went to that arbitrator August decision. And I said, look, they're making the same argument here as they did with in front of arbitrator August. The advocate for the union, Mr. Dixon, explained it crystal clear <laughs> that they've not been renegotiated or replaced. So they're still just as binding today as they were back in 1992. I'm going to read this from arbitrator Bayhack and then I'll be done. It's a little bit of reading and I read this to the arbitrator and I hate doing that, but I, I apologize to her. But if you get these decisions, there's, and I'll read this to you and I'll tell you that this is in the same 
thing in each decision is these three points. And this will be critical for y'all to get these into your contentions. It's these three points. And it starts on page eight. And, and this is one where management said it wasn't arbitrable and had all these things. And she covers all of that before this eighth page and says, having determined that this matter is arbitrable, I will now address the merits of the case. The union contends that management has violated several national level settlement agreements, M1306, M1153, uh, and M1246, as well as Section 121 of the M41 Handbook by having residual mail in the DPS. The union argues that there are three simple facts that are the basis for this case, and this is in each one of the decisions, these three things, and the arbitrator noted these three things. <clears throat> My voice is almost gone, y'all. I'm on a timetable right here. <laughs> I got just a few more minutes, they'll be gone. <laughs> one, delivery point sequence DPS is one bundle of mail and delivery point sequence. Two, residual mail is any mail that is not in DPS order. Three, residual mail is not DPS mail and must be cased. Three critical factors, and all three of those are cited by each arbitrator in these four decisions. Okay? The union argues that the parties have jointly established definitions for DPS mail and for residual mail and that these definitions are set out in M1153. Based on these definitions, the union contends that the mail is to, that is sorted to the main street address but not to a secondary address, i.e. building number, apartment number, suite number, is residual mail and should therefore be cased by the carrier prior to leaving for the street. The union also contends that DPS mail is mail that is in delivery sequence, which means that it is ready to be delivered as it comes in the tray and that no further sorting of the mail is required. That's exactly what we've been saying. The mail in question may be in delivery sequence to the main address, but it has defaulted to the front of the main street address because it is not in delivery sequence to the secondary address like the other mail included in the DPS. Therefore, the carrier sort this mail while delivering on the street. The union acknowledges that that is not the small neighborhood delivery and collection box units, NDBCU, that are the problem, but is the large complexes with numerous buildings, each with their own NDBCU, that cause the problem. In those cases, a carrier must either sort the mail in the back of their vehicle or on the NDBCU so that they are not moving from one NDBCU to another trying to deliver those mail pieces that are not in delivery order. And that's the reason I asked that formal A that, because I knew I was going to address that arbitrator's decision in my closing. So when I read this decision, you kind of can question management based off of things that arbitrators already said, like moving back and forth between NDBCUs. And that's why I asked him that. So if you got A to Z, you can go down to Z, then come back to A, then go to F, and then, you know. So that's why I asked him that. It's because I got it out of this decision. Management contends that the union has not been able to establish a contractual violation. Therefore, the agreements must be denied. Management contends that it is impossible for residual mail to be in DPS mail and that the 11-digit barcode assures that mail in DPS is in delivery point sequence. Management argues that residual mail is mail that cannot be sorted by automated equipment into delivery point sequence. 
The mail being contested by the union is mail that has been processed and sorted by the DPS equipment and presented to the carrier in their DPS process mail at the proper delivery address. However, this mail does not always have the secondary address such as a building number or an apartment number or a suite number. Management contends that even if this mail was cased by the carriers that it would still not be an exact delivery sequence but would only be narrowed down to a range as the carrier's cases are set up by sections, apartment, i.e. apartment 1 through 20, 20 through 40, etc. When a carrier delivers to an NDBCU, they would still have to sort the section mail while delivering to the NDBCU. Management also contends that the Warner Robins Post Office has a DPS 3M process. Remember that because management is going to talk about the 3M process. And that B team member for management brought it up for the first time, which is to me is unethical. But she addresses that here, which is what I did in my closing. I told her when I was dealing with the 3M by management's B team, I said, hang on to that. This 3M argument, Madam Arbitrator, hang on to that because I'm going to address this here in just a second. And so that's what I did in this decision. Management argues that it is the right under Article 3 to manage the operations and that the union has not been able to establish any contract language which will prohibit management from using the 3M process to resolve any DPS issues that might arise. The evidence presented at the hearing showed that the mail in question shows up in a bundle at the front of the street address in the carrier's DPS mail. Some of the mail pieces are there because the sender did not include a building, suite, or apartment number, but some are correctly addressed, but for some reason are not in delivery DPS delivery order. The dispute between the parties here is based on their disagreement as to whether this mail constitutes residual mail that should be cased by the carriers. The union has asserted that any mail not in DPS order is residual mail that should be cased, while management asserts that a mail in question is in DPS order and therefore it cannot be residual mail. A review of the M1153, the joint supplement to the original agreement regarding DPS mail set forth in M1306, Building Our Future for work by Working Together, sets out in questions and answers format the following. And these are the questions that I went over. Question 64. At what point does DPS mail trigger residual mail? Answer. Residual mail is any mail that is not in DPS order once a delivery unit starts receiving DPS mail. Question 69. If DPS mail is received in a delivery unit on more than one dispatch, does that meet the requirement of putting mail in DPS order for two or more consecutive weeks considering the need to collate the bundles? Answer. DPS mail is one bundle of mail in delivery point sequence. Mail that must be collated before delivery is not considered DPS mail. The number of dispatches is irrelevant. The problem that arises in this case is that the mail in question has gone through the DPS machines and has been sorted to the main delivery address. It has not been sorted enough to put it in delivery order for the secondary address. The evidence presented showed that the majority of the mail is properly sorted to the secondary address in the carrier's DPS. The union argues that because the mail is not in delivery order that it becomes residual mail and should be cased in the office before delivery. 
Management contends that because the mail has been sorted to the main address, that it is therefore DPS mail and cannot become residual mail. The language in the M1153 gives a basic definition of DPS and residual mail, but does not specifically define the mail in question here, which has been partially sorted through DPS. Therefore, to assist in determining the intent of the parties, we can look to see how the parties have defined and applied these terms outside of the situation presented here. The Postal Service publishes its Glossary of Postal Terms, Publication 32, which, while not presented at this hearing, was given to arbitrators by the parties as a general reference guide, the glossary gives its purpose as follows. And pay attention to this because you can put this in your contentions. What she's talking about right here because it's not in these contentions the union put out. Purpose. This glossary defines the most widely used words and phrases unique to or with special meaning within the United States Postal Service. It includes terms related to products and services, delivery, and mail processing operations, automation technology, and strategic programs that boost productivity and improve the customer experience. This glossary does not, however, present comprehensive descriptions or furnish precise legal definitions such as those in 39 U.S.C. and 39 C.F.R. If the glossary definition of a term contradicts the definition of the same term in another official and current Postal Service TM directive, The directive definition supersedes the glossary definition. I know that's hard to follow, but she's fixing to explain it right here. As the question raised in this case is what mail is defined as residual mail, and the definition set out in the M1306 did not specifically define DPS and residual mail in relation to the specific mail in question here, it is helpful to see how management has defined the terms delivery point sequence delivery sequence mail, and residual mail. Those definitions are set out in the glossary as follows. Delivery point sequence. The arrangement of mail into delivery order by using the delivery point code and other data elements. Two, an automated process of sorting mail by carrier routes into delivery order, eliminating the need for carriers to sort the mail manually in the delivery unit prior to their departure to the routes. Three, the sort plan or scheme in which letter mail is sorted to walk sequence for carrier routes using barcode sorting equipment such as the delivery barcode sorter. Depending on the barcode sorting equipment, DPS typically entails two or three passes to reach walk sequence order. Four, to sort mail into delivery order using this automated process. Delivery sequence mail. Mail that is arranged in delivery order for particular carrier route. This mail requires no primary or secondary distribution. Residual mail. Mail pieces remaining after completion of a pre-sort sequence. Residual mail lacks the volume set by standard to require or permit preparation to a particular destination. Residual mail usually qualifies for the highest pre-sort price or a single piece price, also called non-qualifying mail and working mail. Have I confused y'all yet? The above definitions help establish the meaning that the Postal Service generally gives to the terms and questions and helps to further determine the intent of the parties when using the terms set out in the M1306 and M1153. 
These definitions are also helpful due to the fact that in some of the arbitration-cited cases submitted by the union in support of its position, the management officials involved acknowledged that the mail in question was residual mail and was not properly in the carrier's DPS mail. Question 64 in the M1153 addresses when DPS mail triggers residual mail. The answer to that question is that residual mail is any mail that is not in DPS order. When this response is considered along with the definition set out in the glossary of postal terms, it reveals that DPS order means the arrangement of mail into delivery order and that delivery sequence mail is mail that is arranged in delivery order for a particular carrier route and requires no primary or secondary distribution. The definition of residual mail states that it is the mail remaining after completion of a pre-sort sequence. While a pre-sort sequence is generally something that mailers do to get a better price for their bulk mail, it can also refer to what is done by the DPS machines as it sorts mail into delivery order. This indicates that in fact residual mail can be found in a mail that has been sorted through DPS. The testimony presented at the hearing established that carriers are being required to sort the mail in question while on the street so that it can be properly delivered. And that's the reason I had that guy come in and tell her uh, how he had to sit in the front of his vehicle and collate that mail into his DPS. The intent of the DPS process is to sort mail for the carriers and have it in delivery order for the street without any further processing. The mail in question here is not in complete delivery order. It has been pre-sorted to the main address, but for various reasons not sorted any further. And that's how we beat their argument where they're saying, hey, it came to 100 Oak. That's the, that's the apartment complex. So it's, it's fulfilled its obligation under DPS. Or, hey, it came to this this business complex, so it's fulfilled its obligation under DPS. She disagrees with that. She says, after considering all the above, it is my determination that the mail in question here is residual mail, as defined by the parties in M1153, and should be cased by the carriers in the office and not sorted on the street. Y'all get this decision now and read the hell out of it. And it's going to be all of your arguments in this in her decision. Three five C three five zero two three arbitrator Bayhackle, and it's up on my website. Get it and read the hell out of it. It's all of their arguments are in here, and she defeats all of them. Almost done with it, and I'll be done. Management contends that even if the mail in question is found to be residual mail, that there is no violation of the national agreement or any of the national settlement agreements because management has established a local method for processing this mail, the 3M case. Remember when I told you that the B team member for the first time said, hey, we've got a process called the 3M case. And I told the arbitrator, pay attention to that. Hang on to that 3M case that they're talking about. And she nodded at me. And so when I read this, I said, does that sound familiar, Madam Arbitrator? And she just looked at me and nodded. So I knew she, she it was over with. Um. But it says management contends that the carriers can bring back mail that is improperly addressed and place the mail in the 3M case where it will be reworked and sent out for delivery the next day. The union argues that the 3M case is not for this type of residual mail and that missent mail is mail sent to incorrect post office, missequence mail is mail that is not at the right address, 
And misordered mail is mail that is sorted to the wrong route. None of these situations would apply to the mail in question here, which has been sorted to the correct post office route and address. The testimony from the union's witnesses showed that she is familiar with the 3M case, but that the instructions from management in the Warner Robins office are for the carriers to deliver all their mail each day. Due to this instruction and the fact that the mail has been sorted to the correct main address, she sorts the mail in question on the street and delivers it each day. Based on the foregoing, it is my determination that the 3M case was not intended to deal with the mail in question here. Management's arguments in this regard are not supported by the evidence. Like I said, get this decision and read it in its entirety and read it a hundred times. Because every argument that management is going to make in front of you is made in front of arbitrator Bayhackle and she's smashing each and every one of them, okay? Management also argued at the hearing that the mail in question was not residual mail, but was mail that was a result of sorting errors in the DPS machines. The union objected that this new evidence in the management had not raised an issue with the mail in question was a result of sorting errors in the lower levels of the grievance procedure. Based on the contentions raised at the informal and formal A steps, I find that management never raised any argument that the mail in question was the result of sorting error. Therefore, that argument was a new argument at arbitration will not be considered. Great job, Mr. Dixon. After considering the provisions of M1306, M1153, and the provisions of M41, it is my determination that the parties in those national settlements generally define DPS mail as mail in delivery point sequence and residual mail as any mail not in the DPS order. The intent of DPS is to sort mail by carrier routes into delivery order, thereby eliminating the need for carriers to sort the mail manually prior to their departure to their routes. That infers that the mail is ready for delivery and will not require additional sortation on the street. The parties in M1153 have agreed that any mail that is not sorted into delivery order is residual mail. After considering the evidence presented, I find that the mail that is in question here is residual mail if it meets each of the following parameters. Is in DPS order only to the main address? Is not properly sorted to the secondary address? And has been included in the carrier's DPS mail but kicked to the front of the main address because it is out of delivery order for the secondary address? Based on all the, for on all the foregoing, it is the determination that this grievance is due to be sustained. So there is your residual mail and DPS grievance. Um, I, that was really fast. It was two hours, but I talked a lot before that. But uh, That would give you the gist of the, the residual mail and the DPS. It's a great grievance to file. One, because management almost always violated after you've won it. Because uh, they're not going to take the time to get Ames to correct that. So it would be an ongoing violation. Two, because it'll put that mail, that work back into the office where we need it. Okay, we don't need it on the street. And like I said, you can make a little contention about 1982, 1983, and 1984 saying that, you know, plus, if we're out there collating this mail, that time could potentially be taken away from us like AJ did in this hearing, which was beautiful. Uh, so what happened in this hearing is we go through the hearing. I turn in these four sites. Management has no sites. And so the management's advocate, he says, may I have till Friday to mail in my sites? 
And the arbitrator, you know, said, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I did have an issue with it because management always does that. They'll say, we don't have any sites. That pisses me off. Because all you're going to do is you're going to come in there, you're going to hear our arguments, you're going to get my sites, and you're going to ask to turn your sites in later. So you're going to go home with my sites, look through all of it, and find something that, you know, to defeat my sites. It's kind of Bush League, kind of rookie. And so I raised that issue with the arbitrator. I said, look, I said, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I said, but this happens all the time down here in this installation, in this district. They do this all the time. So she's like, okay. She's like, you can turn your sights in. There will be no commentary with them. And he said, fine. So the next day, I'm casing my route, and I get an email from this advocate. He's given us everything we asked for. He don't want a decision. So the business agent signed off on it. And AJ got a great pre-arb that covered four stations. And I think he's got six or seven more that he's doing now. So it was a great win for AJ down there in the Lake Charles area. It's a great grievance to file. Okay. I gave you everything that you're going to need for this grievance. What you're going to need to know. The M documents that you're going to need to get. I got these uh, arbitration decisions and any arbitration decision that I tell you, get it and read it and familiarize yourself with the union's argument, management's argument, and the arbitrator's award. Do that. And that will educate you more than anything else. It will educate you on management's arguments that you're fixing to hear at the informal or formal. And it'll definitely help you as an advocate, like it did me when I went through Greg Dixon's uh, once he did prepare me for management saying, hey, look, these 1992 decisions, they're antiquated, they're no longer relevant, and Greg had already addressed that for me. So I just pulled that out and I addressed it in this hearing. And so that's a great grievance for you. Residual mail on the DPS, I hope it wasn't confusing as hell. I feel like I rushed through that and I'm sorry, but my voice is gone, and so I needed to get that done in a hurry. (laughs) Shouldn't have talked so much. Like my man said, I rambled too much. Shouldn't have rambled so much in the beginning, but um, you know, there are some things that I'll tell you about, you know, like I said, I'm going to tell issues that we're having nationwide. Um, I get a lot of hits on this thing. And so I'm going to address those things to y'all and hopefully y'all don't mind. Hope y'all don't mind. I do that, that I get on here and tell y'all issues from across the country. Maybe it'll educate you, but it'll also let you know where we are as a union, that we need help, that we need to do better. And that's the reason I'm glad Mr. Renfro came on. He sat there and, and took it, you know, and he answered three and a half hours worth of it and, uh, you know, garnered a lot of respect from me for it. And so, uh, again, I have never told anybody they cannot be on here. I have never told anybody they cannot be on here. So if anybody ever says that, they're lying, okay? I did talk with one individual. I talked to him on the phone and then by email. And like I said... When we were on the phone, I asked him two questions. They couldn't, he couldn't answer it. So it best that he not get on here and, and take questions and answers. Um, you know, he's a, he's a hard charger. He is a fighter for the union, does a lot of educating. I respect the shit out of that. But you lied on me, and, uh, you know, I had to call you out on it. Don't lie on me. You know, we can talk. We can do whatever. Do not lie on me because I always keep receipts. Remember that. I always keep receipts, and I'll pull them out if I have to to prove myself. I'm a master case builder. (laughs) I say I'm not an expert in anything. I'm an expert at building a case file, and I'll build one on anybody. So don't lie on me. 
Okay. Um, we can do better than that. Tomorrow's the end of the voting. Make sure that you vote. Okay. Educate yourself. It's not too late. You can mail it out tomorrow. Educate yourself on, on the tickets. All right. I know who I'm voting for. I told you who I'm voting for, but that may not be who you want to vote for. You may have educated yourself and find the other ticket best for you. That's your right. That's your right. I'm not trying to persuade anybody, but I'm going to tell my opinion on here because it's my podcast and that's what I'm going to do. Um, but, uh, make sure that you get on from aidarbitration.com. Jeremy's doing a fantastic job with that. Uh, get on there. He'll have all this stuff here, these templates for you, these arbitration sites for you. Lindsay's doing a fantastic job with from eight, uh, from eight arbitration, to Facebook page, very active on there. Get on there and talk to her. She does a great job with that. Also Twitter and Instagram. She does that. That's gaining members. Discord is a wild little thing. Uh, they're constantly educating. Got some great stuff on there too, man. So join the discord. That link is on from eight arbitration.com. Get on there. That link to that is on there. Uh, Get on Discord. It's got a lot of great people on there that do a lot of great stuff, put up some contentions. They're constantly helping on that thing, which is fantastic, and I love that. Um, I don't monitor that. I don't, you know, like I said, I'm not going to have anybody bullied, but the stuff that's going on in there is fantastic. And so get on there and and, and get used to those people. <laughs> They're on it all night. <laughs> but they do a fantastic job, man, really. Uh, I like getting on there and just looking at the conversations that they're having. Um, Reddit. Uh, started a Reddit page. That's funny. There's some great stuff on there, man. They got uh, me doing different songs and stuff. I don't know how they do that, but uh, me and Kareth doing things. It's got some funny stuff on there, man. And so Reddit. Y'all get on the uh, From Aid Arbitration Reddit page. Good stuff on there, all right? So a lot of great things happening. You got uh, Jeremy and the buddy have started a YouTube channel based off of stuff off of Made Arbitration. They, it's visual. I thought it was just going to be them putting templates up and stuff, but it's him. It's Jeremy and his buddy. They're on there um, educating. So get on the YouTube channel for Made Arbitration. Uh, and he's on there. You'll see Jeremy. You'll see his handsome face. He's on there uh, educating, which is absolutely fantastic because this is what it's all about. That's all I want. I want our case files to be ready for arbitration so that we're successful from coast to coast. I want us to be as successful as we can be. And that's all I care about. Seriously, I don't care about anything else. I want the letter carriers to be protected and I want us to be successful as a union because I love my union. I love, I, I am 100% union. Uh, so to the dude that said I should get in management, sorry, I took a shot at you, but that's dumb as shit to say that, uh, cause you're talking to Corey Walton. <laughs> there, there is no more union than me, brother. I tell you. So to even refer to that, uh, is preposterous, but, um, anyway, Hey, y'all have a fantastic week. Uh, got a lot of people that want to be on here. Uh, going through some, some weeding out stuff. I do know John Poston wants to get on here. I'm going to do a, a, an extensive Article 8 series and just get it out of the way. With this T-Rap, it pushed everything back. Um, should have already done this Article 8 series, but when T-Rap came in, I just felt it necessary 
to get out as much as we could about educating as far as office time and street time and these memos, what management is doing, the new things that they're doing, making sure that we're ready to grieve those things. And so it pushed everything else back. And uh, I hate that, but I feel like we, we were able to educate pretty well on the TRAP process and what we can do better in the office and on the street. So I won't apologize for that, but it did push everything back, kind of put everything on the back burner. So we're going to kind of reshuffle and uh, we'll do something. Like I always say, we'll do something if it's wrong, right? (laughs) So y'all have a fantastic week. I hope this wasn't terrible. Sorry about the voice, Um, but it's gone. And so uh, um, hopefully it came out loud enough. I'll try, if it did, I'll try to do something with the effect and try to get it louder if it don't mess it up, but residual mail and DPS, a fantastic grievance. Okay. So if that's going on in your station, grieve it. And there's everything you're going to need for it. All right. Y'all have a fantastic week. I love each and every one of you with all my heart. I do. And I'm here for you always. I'll be the anger that you show me. I'll be your anger on here. Okay. And I'll get as loud as I have to be and cuss as much as I need to to get our point across that we're not happy with how we're being represented in certain places. All right. I'll be your anger. I promise you that. Uh, I told you I've got your back, man. I've got your back. And so y'all keep reaching out to me. All right. We'll keep educating. That's what it's all about. Okay. Y'all take care. Have a fantastic week and I'll talk to you next month and next Sunday. All right. Bye.